who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Singularity by Bill DeSmet. Copyright 2004 by William H. DeSmet. All rights reserved. Chapter 35. Closed Timelike Curve Nothing? Knox glared at the dead video conference window. Archon's shelling out five hundred a month for that VDSL hookup of yours. How in hell can the bandwidth go to zip? The automated diagnostics are checking into it right now, Jonathan. If you'd like me to see to it personally, I will. I suspect, though, that Mariana would rather have the answer to her question first. Mycroft looked to her for confirmation. She nodded a response, but Knox wasn't having any. Same thing, no? We need the connection back up for Jack to tell us what Grecian's planning with his singularity. I believe Jack already has told us that, in a manner of speaking. Knox hated it when Mycroft went all Delphic on him. Well, aren't you going to share... It was the last thing he said. But perhaps it would be better if he tells us in his own words. Mycroft leaned forward to the console mic. Lestrade, search directory Adler Lab for naked singularity, closed time-like curve, and a wild-eyed speculation. Best match, beyond the black horizon. Quick time file containing three out of three subject terms. Duration, 4 minutes, 17 seconds. Play it. Go ahead, please. A new window appeared on screen. It held a freeze-frame image of Jack Adler's head and shoulders, cowboy hat and all. Alongside Jack, an intaglio displayed the same blinking question mark that the Seiko 1 sim had ended with. Lou Christie's rendition of Beyond the Blue Horizon lilted softly in the background. As the song drew to a close... Jack's image came to life and said, Hi there. Ready for some wild-eyed speculation? Where's this coming from? Mariana asked. I thought we were offline. Mycroft paused the video. We are. This is running locally. He smiled at her, all innocence. 
in light of your expressed concerns about Weathertop's communication security, I deemed it unwise to stay logged on to Austin any longer than necessary. So I downloaded the contents of the physics simulation library as soon as Jack gave me entree, then closed the link. Everything we were watching, from the Big Bang to the Seiko, was resident on Lestrade here, as is the... <laughs> the rest of his words were muffled by the headlock Knox had him in, the better to administer a vigorous Dutch rub. Yes, my man Mycroft, do we love this guy or what? I, ow, Jonathan, please, try to restrain yourself. But Knox was already past his momentary breach of decorum and back to business. He released Mycroft and asked, What was that search term again? Closed time-like curve? Jack said that too at the end. Something about Grecian and Vortilac and closed time-like curves. The curious phrase sounded familiar somehow, and not just from the aborted video conference. Then it clicked. Uh-oh. Guys, Mariana was getting impatient. Would someone please tell me what's going on? What's a closed time-like curve? It's, it's a euphemism. Kip Thorne at Caltech came up with it to put the media off the scent when they started sensationalizing his research. I'm still not sure how or why, but Jack seems to think Grecian's planning on using Vortilac to create one. A closed time-like curve, that is. Knox glanced over at Mycroft, saw him nodding agreement. Right track, then. More's the pity. Mariana didn't look nearly as pleased as Mycroft with Knox's performance. From the frown on her face to her folded arms to the way she was tapping her foot, her body language was silently screaming at him, Answer the damned question. She'd have to know sooner or later. He took a deep breath and said, A closed time-like curve is a physicist's way of talking about time travel. Time travel? As she was speaking the words, shouting them more like, Mariana flashed on a curious, half-forgotten image of a sealed wall safe in a secret lab with something visible through its glass door that hadn't been there a moment before. She brushed the stray thought aside in order to concentrate on glaring at John. Time travel? Look, Mariana, John began. Try to keep an open mind on this. I agree, it's kind of far out. Far out? She became aware she was yelling again and dialed the decibels back down into the merely strident range. Look, John, I cannot go back to Pete with this. Hell, he couldn't even get past miniature black holes. How do I tell him it's all about some mystical, closed, time-wise... Time-like, he said. Closed, time-like curves. And there's nothing mystical about them. Time-like, for instance, just means... Uh, what does time-like mean, Mycroft? At moments like this, an eidetic memory helped. Mycroft looked inward momentarily, then said, Time-like refers to any mode of motion that takes more time to cover a given distance than a photon would. In other words, that does not require equaling or exceeding light speed, which is, of course, prohibited for material bodies by special relativity. In our current context, a closed, time-like curve refers to a path that would allow anyone who traversed it to travel backward in time without going faster than light. Thanks, she said. That makes it so much clearer. Where's Jack when we need him? Mycroft sounded crestfallen as he said, 
Jack's right here. Lestrade, continue. If you linked in from the Seiko simulator, Jack's recorded introduction resumed, then you saw how it runs out of gas right where Einstein's tensor calculus breaks down? Once the equations that embody our best understanding of macroscopic physical law start churning out nonsense, it's time for science to pack it in. That doesn't stop us from speculating, though. So for the next couple minutes, we'll try taking a peek under the hem of Mother Nature's gown. Mariana breathed a sigh of relief. No offense, but for unscrewing the inscrutable, a canned Jack Adler beat a live Mycroft any day. The bad news is, Jack was saying, we're going to have to do without the pretty pictures this time around. This stuff goes way beyond the limits of our visualization technology. Beyond our own human visualization faculties, too, maybe. So, if you don't mind, I'll just talk you through it. The image gave an apologetic shrug. Now, let's imagine we've stripped the event horizon off of our singularity, and it's standing there in what my granddaddy used to call its bare nakeds. What's it like? Going out on a limb here, but I suspect the first thing we'd notice is no more hawking radiation. It's an artifact of the event horizon, after all, and when that goes away, it should too. That wouldn't matter much one way or the other for the stellar-sized holes, since their radiation output is so low to begin with, but it'd mean you could even cozy up to primordial-sized singularity without getting fricasseed. So, say you could get in close. What would you see? Wish I had a nickel for every time somebody's asked me that one. But... Try thinking about it like this. The singularity itself's just a point source, so you wouldn't be able to see it at all. Too infinitesimally tiny. What you might see is instantaneous cross-sections of all the world lines caught up in its vortex. Sort of a smorgasbord of local history, only with everything happening all at once. Like the Aleph, Mariana whispered. Like... Which Aleph? Mycroft had overheard her and paused the video again. Aleph as in the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, or as in Cantor's symbol for the cardinality of transfinite numbers? Neither, she said, as in the short story by Jorge Luis Borges. Haven't you read it? Not that I can recall, Mycroft said. In his case, that must simply mean no. Well, she went on, Borges Aleph is this thing in the basement of a Buenos Aires apartment. It looks like a one-inch sphere, but somehow it contains everything there is, lions and tigers and bears and such. Gaze into it, and you see all the objects, all the actions, all the times and places in the universe from every angle, all at once. Perhaps it's in the library. Mycroft turned to his console mic. Lestrade. Borges. The Aleph. A text window appeared on screen and began scrolling, the original Spanish side-by-side with Andrew Hurley's English translation. Lestrade's synthesized voice began to recite, not without feeling, the opening lines about the death of the narrator's unrequited love, Beatriz Viterbo. Lestrade, stop, Mycroft said. Search lions and tigers and bears. No match, Lestrade reported going to closest near miss. Mariana looked. There were no lions or bears in the passage Lestrade had matched, but there were the tigers she'd remembered all right, 
part of a catalogue of phantasmagoria that went on to list pistons and Persian astrolabes and armies, not to mention all the ants on the planet. Lestrade, pause. Mycroft turned to Mariana. Is that the passage you meant? She set down her coffee mug and walked over to the console for a closer look. Lestrade, back up a bit, she said into the microphone. Pretty good speaker-independent recognition, she added to Mycroft as, after a momentary pause, the text began to scroll back. Speaker-adaptive, actually, Mycroft said. Lestrade has been listening to you the whole time you've been here. There. I mean, Lestrade, stop, she said, and then she began to read aloud herself about all the actions of human history, all squeezed into the same infinitesimal point, all rolled up into one single gigantic instant. And I felt dizzy and wept, she finished, because my eyes had seen that secret, hypothetical object whose name has been usurped by men, but which no man has ever truly looked upon, the inconceivable universe. Mariana fell silent then, confronted by her own visions, not of the inconceivable universe, but of its fiery, inconceivable destruction. It took her a moment before she realized that Mycroft had started the video again. Whatever it looks like, Jack's image was saying, the key point is you'd get to see it up close and personal, with no hawking radiation to fry you, and no event horizon to trap you, there'd be nothing to stop you from skirting the singularity and coming back on out again. And that's where the real trouble starts, because the singularity puts out a gravitational field of, as far as we know, infinite power, enough power to do really weird things to space and time. How weird? Well, what if I told you there are orbits around a singularity, closed time-like curves, we call them, that could let you arrive before you left? Meet yourself coming and going. Or your older self would meet your younger self, whatever. Weird enough for you? Okay, you say, that's pretty weird, all right, but where's the problem? You give yourself a wave and wish yourself a nice life. End of story, right? Wrong. Because what if your future self somehow prevents your past self from entering that orbit in the first place? Then how'd that future self get back there to do that? What you wind up with is an effect that can negate its own cause, because the effect can precede its cause, chronologically. Now, we expect this sort of thing goes on all the time inside black holes, and it just doesn't matter. Normal cause and effect can go to hell in a handbasket, so long as it stays under wraps, behind the event horizon. What's different here is there is no event horizon. Turn this kind of craziness loose on the outside universe, and you've got yourself global causality violations, grandfather paradoxes galore. Worst case, you could wind up punching holes in the fabric of space-time, and you don't want that, believe me. So, let me wind up our magical mystery tour here with an important safety tip. The blinking question mark in the small corner frame was now surrounded by a red circle with a diagonal line through it. Jack's image grinned and snapped the brim of its cowboy hat. Just say no to naked singularities. A fade to black, and then Lou Christie was singing a reprise over closing credits. Jack turned to her. Remember the scary stuff that the real live Jack was talking about before? Well, this is it. 
Do you know about grandfather paradoxes? Isn't that where you go back in time and kill your own grandmother before your mother is born? Well, yeah, only without the gender bending. I prefer my version. With grandfathers, how can you ever be sure? Grandma might have been entertaining the gardener on the side. Mariana stopped then. Could John's flippancy in the face of the monstrous possibly be catching? He certainly didn't seem so blasé about this. This is what Jack was trying to warn us about right at the end there, before the link went dead, he said. What Grecian could do with Vortilak? Rips in space-time? Global causality violation? Scary stuff for sure, but it didn't seem right somehow, didn't seem to fit. She gazed into the depths of her cooling coffee. We've been asking the wrong question, she heard herself say. We've been trying to figure out what Arcadi Grecian would want with a singularity, when what we should have been asking is, what could the KGB do with a time machine? You've been listening to Singularity by Bill DeSmet. <laughs>